Gale's open, they're away in the Golden Slipper, there's a great start, and Mick Mitt Masque on the extreme outside is about the first out, Jeff Boyle. Yagler on the outside, lunging, but Catlin opening just in front, Jack McBride desperately can't reach him. Catlin opening has lasted to win the Doncaster by a hit, the Juggler. This is with another strong English classic sale done and dusted, yearling buyers will now focus on the English Premier sale over three busy days, Sunday, February 28, Monday, March the 1st, and Tuesday, March the 2nd. 804 yearlings have been catalogued, 590 in the Premier, 214 in the showcase session at the world-class Oaklands Auditorium in Melbourne. English believe this is the strongest Premier catalogue ever produced. 75 individual vendors will offer the progeny of 118 stallions, including several impressive first season sires. 466 of the yearlings are Vobus nominated, 474 are Bob's eligible. Since 2018, 15 Group 1 winners have come out of this sale, including top liners like Nature Strip and Santa Ana Lane. Email catalogue at inglis.com.au or call 0393331422. Remember, every yearling in the catalogue will be eligible for the rich Inglis race series in 2022. The English Premier Sale, February 28, March 1st and March the 2nd. Many people born in Toowoomba are content to spend the rest of their lives in the beautiful Queensland city. If those people happen to like horse racing, they have all the more reason to stay put. The Toowoomba Turf Club began operations in 1862. They were the first Australian race club to turn on the lights in 1996 and they currently run 40 tab meetings a year on the beautiful Clifford Park Racecourse, one of the best regional tracks in the country. Trainer Rex Lip was born and reared on the Downs in 1948 and has never left. He learned about horses from his grandfather and father who were both successful small team trainers. At first, commercial training didn't appeal to him, so he did the next best thing and went to work at Colin McAlpine's famous Eureka Stud at Camboya. He was there for 20 years. When his good friend Scott McAlpine took over the reins from his dad in the late 1980s, Rex felt it was time to move on. In 1989, he began his training career in stables close to Clifford Park, destined to uphold the tremendous tradition established by legends like Jim Griffiths and Jim Atkins. Rex has won many stakes races, including two Group 1s, and is widely regarded as one of Queensland's very best trainers. He's been threatening to retire for 10 years, but every time a useful horse comes into the stable, Rex gets another lease of life. Those who saw the look on his face when the promising Simply Fly made it four from six on the Sunshine Coast the weekend before last, or after the win by Tycoon Evie at Eagle Farm on Saturday, were convinced retirement is a fair way off yet. 
You'd need the army to get Rex Lip away from the Darling Downs, where he spent almost every day of his 72 years. It's great to welcome Rex Lip to the podcast. Thanks for joining us, Rex. Oh, thank you, John. Mate, I know you Toowoomba trainers love to win a race in Brisbane. You've got an expression, haven't you? I've got one good enough to take over the range. That's 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 correct, Tommy. You know, if you got one, you got to have a go. And uh, my motto is, if give it a go, if you failed, you'd always come home. But mm. you know, you if you got an idea what you what you're going to have to win over the in Brisbane, mm. so you go down there and you have a go. Mm. Well, you did that yesterday with Tycoon Evie in a three-year-old race. She drew badly, but was able to overcome it. Yeah, John. Look, it was uh, the barrier wasn't very very nice to us, but we just sort of. Well, I decided with the owners to, uh, you know, we'd press forward with the run. I believe the filly's going is going to run a lot further, and this is a real test on whether she's going to run a mile or plus. Mm. So you know, we decided to go ahead, and and, uh, and on the way the racing was yesterday, we had to. It was the ideal time to press forward, even just sit outside the leader and see if she had the. Uh, she had the ability to uh, to go on with it, and she will run a trip. You think later on, John? Oh, she'll definitely. I, I think she will. I wouldn't be surprised if she doesn't run two thousand meters. That's the type of filly she is. Mm, good. She's a real uh, more more so much a grinder than a sprinter. Mm. She she doesn't have a lot of sprint at the end of her races, but she keeps on grinding and she breaks their hearts. Mm. I'm sure I read somewhere that you were going to retire after Tinto won the Queensland Oaks about seven years ago. Yeah, well, that was correct, John. I said, well, when Tinto's finished, I'm finished. But, uh, you know, just things like, you know, see, another one seems to pop up in your stable and I said, oh, is it will I or won't I? And, you know, <laughs> and, and uh, pressure from owners and that sort of thing, you just, you know, mm. they they accept the fact that I will retire one day, but uh, at this stage no one of them want me to to give it away, so I just got to keep pressing on. Yeah, good on you, mate. By the same token, you have cut back the size of your team, haven't you? I think you've got about fourteen in work. I can remember when you had fifty or more in training in, in Toowoomba. Yeah, John. Look, the, the the big days are over for me. You know, the uh, less work, the easier it is. Um, you know, your, your staff. I've got a great staff here at the moment. I've always had good staff right through, but. Fortunately, it's uh, is one of those things you've got to have. You've got good staff, it makes work a lot easier. But uh, at the present moment, the last few years, I've had good staff behind me and uh, makes life a lot easier. That three-year-old I mentioned, Simply Fly, is doing his best to keep you interested. He's a nice horse and I think you're a part owner. Yeah, we're part owner and breeder, John, yes. So, mm. uh, no, it's, it's nice to be combined with... Uh, being able to breed them and race them and train them at the same time, it's a, it's a, it's a lovely combination to be able to have and mm. a big achievement. Mm. I'm sure you've had opportunities to relocate to Brisbane over the years, but you've never, ever wanted to leave the Downs. Yeah, well, I thought about it earlier early in the career, John, but it just isn't it. I'm, not, I'm more of a country boy at heart and I couldn't see myself living in the, the hassle and bustle of a, of a, of a city. And uh, it's bad enough having to drive to the races on Saturdays or whenever we've got to go down there, but mm. let alone live there. Not for me, thanks. Mm. You don't <coughs> notice it when you win a race, though, do you? 
No, it makes it a lot easier to come home. It sure does. You'd float back over the range, as they say. Yes. Yes. Now, Rex, you were one of nine kids born to Stan and Francis Lip, and you grew up on the land learning about dairying, beef cattle, grain, but there was always a thoroughbred or two around the place. Yeah, no, we, you know, my father, grandfather, he raced a few horses and uh, my father, he mucked around training a couple with when he had the dairy and the cattle and the farming and that sort of thing. But, uh, you know, it was one of those things, it's in your, it's in your blood. It's hard to get rid of it. And, uh, and I, this is the way I decided to go. I could have, you know, my mother wanted me to bloody be a carpenter. Oh. But, uh, but I wasn't interested in that sort of thing. I wasn't interested. In that was too hard to work. That was too, using your brain too much. Yeah. <laughs> when it was time to join the workforce, you went to work for the McAlpines, and for 20 years you did everything there was to do on that famous property, Eureka Stud. What were the stallions that stood there during your time? Look, it's a bit hard to remember. There was a horse called Gallant Archer, who mm. was a very good racehorse in, in Sydney at the time, mm. uh, Valbridge. It was an imported horse. Yeah. Uh, another French horse called Jafar or Jaffa. Mm-hmm. That was the three stallions there when I was when I first moved there. Mm-hmm. And then came along uh, Young Roger, mm-hmm. who was a very good race horse in Sydney. Yeah. After that was Lumley Road, and uh, just as I was leaving, uh, Semi Palatins came along. Mm-hmm. Well, they all so, did a job, didn't they? Every one of them. They were all, they were, you know, they were very, very handy stallions, that's for sure, John. They left a, a really uh, mark in Queensland uh, racing mm. with their progeny and also the size of broodmares. Mm. Well, Eureka currently stands Queensland's leading stallion and a horse whose progeny are being sought all over Australia, the wonderful Spirit of Boom. I think your horse simply flies by Spirit of Boom. Yes, he is, John. He is one we uh, we we bred, and uh, no, he's a lovely horse, and uh, I think he's the makings into it. Well, hopefully, I think into a, into a pretty fair, handy horse at this stage of his life. Mm. When Scott McAlpine was old enough, he took over the management of Eureka Stud, and you decided it was time to spread your wings. Now you took on some breaking in work to start with, didn't you, with the late Bruce McLaughlin? as your main client, and you did some pre-training too in the early days. Yes, look, I, I worked, you know, I took away a bit of a break away from the horses completely there for a couple of years, and then I joined up with uh, with McLaughlin, who was a very good friend of mine, John Foote, uh, was a very good friend, and I knew Bruce when uh, when I worked at Eureka, and he just sort of co- came together, and I did a lot of breaking, I did a lot of breaking in there for, for Bruce there for a couple of years. Mm. And we went on and uh, had a successful time doing that and then, you know, got to the stage where I thought, well, I might as well have a crack at it myself. Mm. Now, you mentioned a name there, Rex, John Foote. I presume we're talking about the man who is currently a very respected bloodstock consultant and uh, he selects and examines or inspects yearlings for some very, uh, very high-profile clients. He does. He's a very smart operator and a very good judge of a horse flesh, mm. uh, John is. And he, uh, 
you know, we've got been together for years doing odd things, not not so much of late, but uh, John's a very busy man mm. and he's got some high-profile owners to satisfy. So, look, you know, we, we're still good friends and uh, we'll always be that way. Mm. You know, not many trainers win on a metropolitan track with their very first runner. You trained a mare called Rose Road to win seven of her first 11 starts and the first of those wins was a three-year-old maiden at Eagle Farm. A jockey called David Wilkes was her regular rider, I notice. Yes, no, that's correct, John. He was one. She was one I got through. Uh, I got her, I broke her in. A couple of other people had a go at breaking her in. She was a bit of a handful. Mm. And I was probably lucky enough to get her to get her uh, settled down and uh, and I, then she was offered to me to train. So she was one of the... First ones I actually trained as a as a trainer, mm. a full time trainer, John. Yeah, it was a flying start, mate. Uh, seven out of eleven, and first up at Eagle Farm. No, it was very nice. It was a, she's a very exciting filly, and uh, she has put probably put me on the on the path that I've taken, and uh, mm. which uh, you know, when you get winners like that early in your career as a trainer, it, it uh, certainly helps you to. You know, capitalise on those points of uh, mm. interest with different people, and and that's where you get to you know helps you get your clientele. Yeah, you needed a quick follow up to Rose Road, and you got one in the shape of Rock and Rage, which you bred yourself. Now you owned her dam, Crocodile Rock. You sent that mare to Ministerial, and you trained the resultant filly. She only raced seventeen times, Rex. Four wins, six placings. All of her wins were in Brisbane, and one of them was a stakes race. Yes, John, she was a very good filly. Um, you know, talk about John Foot. He was, he was the man that actually uh, bought uh, Crocodile Rock for me, and, uh, and I purchased a, a share in Ministerial at the time, mm. and, and that was the, the project that we got. And we're very lucky with the filly. She was a very handy filly. Mm. The uh, listed race was the. Um, Oh God! What was it? Um, can't think of what was the name. It was one of the. It was the Sir Douglas Wadley handicap. Yes, right. And for fillies, and uh, which was very nice to have, and to breed one and uh, train it, and it was uh, a great achievement as far as I'm concerned. Mm. The late Jim Atkins loved the Darling Downs as much as you do. And he must have been a great role model for many a young Toowoomba trainer. Now, you were never the type to be bombarding people with questions, but I'm sure you watched and you listened when Jim Atkins was around. Well, you know, look, John, asking questions doesn't do you a lot of good. You've got to work, still got to work things out for yourself, but put the the naked eye over what they do and how they work their horses and... uh, how they've placed their horses in races, and you know, it's it's a big it's a big achievement to just for me. I, that was the way I I learned more things that way than I did asking questions. But you know, chaps like Jim Atkins, he'd give you a little bit of a a hint, uh, or you know, he'd tell you something, and but you, you know, you went away and you thought about it, and uh, yes, I can do this, or I might do that, or you know, you, and you put it all together, and you. Work it out for yourself, which is why it's the best way to go with a horse. And I think that's uh, a bigger achievement than keeping on asking people's questions because you've got to work it out for yourself. If you don't work it out for yourself, you'll never learn yourself. Mm. 
You travelled a couple of fillies to Sydney in the mid-90s and you stayed with Graham Begg at Randwick. Now, Graham's dad, Neville Begg, had retired by then, but he spent a lot of time around the stables, didn't he? And you enjoyed many a chat with the great Neville Begg. I certainly did, John. I probably he, he probably helped me out a lot, especially playing the fillies and mares. Um, when I was down there, I hit Neville to get to the stables around six o'clock, and and I'd be around there when they were working their horses and give them a bit of a hand and that sort of thing, just sort of being a, probably a nuisance around the stables more than a help. But anyway, I was there. And then I noticed a couple of mornings in a row that Neville would hand, hand back. He'd yeah. hang back at the stables after everybody was gone. And, mm. and I thought, well, what's this, what's this gentleman up to? Yeah. So I sort of hung around and was just talking to him. And, and look, he was, he was – and I, you know, it was probably one of the things I thought, you know, what are you doing, Mr. Begg? You know, what, what, what? He said, oh, I just like to keep an eye on the horses and see how they're going and how they're eating and mm. shoot up, they've worked and all that sort of thing. Um, we got, we got to you know, I got to go and level a fair bit laugh And we, you know, he helped me out, especially with mares. Mm. Uh, he's a great trainer of mares and fillies uh, and mares. And, you know, he's probably one of the best I'll ever see. Yeah. He just had that magic touch or mm. kind heart or kind hand or soft word, whatever you want to, whichever way you want to put it. Yeah. Uh, had it. Rex, I asked him the question one day at Randwick years ago. I said, Neville, what do you put it down to, this tremendous affinity you've got with fillies and mares? And I'll never forget his answer, Rex. He said, treat them like a lady. <laughs> so that, there's yeah, food for thought. I thought, uh, yeah, well, that's probably what it is. He said, "You, you know, like a good woman, you got to get a fit, yeah. and you got to keep them happy." <laughs> and that's yeah. probably. <laughs> exactly. And uh, that was his. Uh, that was one of the things he said to me, yeah. Rex. Get them fit, mm. keep them happy. Yeah, that's what you got to do with Phillies and mares, and then you'll get more out of them that way. With they have their attitude and their yeah. temperament right. There are two great races run on the Downs and both are keenly sought by Toowoomba trainers. The Wheatwood Handicap, first run in 1889, and the Toowoomba Cup, first run in 1919. Now, you've won two Wheatwoods and four Toowoomba Cups. Your first Wheatwood winner was Archie Kilia in 1994. You speak very highly of this horse, Rex, years on, and I can see why. He won 15 races, and he actually started favourite when he won the Wheatwood. Yes, John, look, he's a very handy horse. He is, uh, if he was a sound horse, I don't know where he would have ended up. He was never a sound horse. Mm. And to do what the old horse, the horse did for me, and, uh, you know, in the stable, with the help I had in the stables, he was a he was a remarkable horse. Mm. It wasn't a big horse, wasn't a big strong horse, but he's a horse that he just gave everything. My wife Rose used to ride him work, you know, take him for rides around the roads and all that sort of thing, mm. and got him got him fit and kept him happy. Yeah. Well, four years later, you won the Wheatwood again with another tough old customer called Jean's Interest, and it's interesting to point out, Rex, that both of your Wheatwood winners 
were written by a bloke who was a guest on this podcast about two months ago, Michael Pelling. Yes, no, Michael is very. He's a very good writer, Michael, and a very good, still a very good friend. Gene's interest uh, backed up a year later. Now this was a good training trick. One year after you won the Wheatwood with Gene's interest, you won the Toowoomba Cup with the same horse, and I think you squeezed in a Rockhampton Cup in between. Between. Yeah, that's correct, John. Look, here's a horse, and that was something else I I learned a lot when I was in Sydney. Just with Tommy, watching Tommy Smith and talking, what do you do with horses? And, you know, I can remember him saying, to, I was just sort of listening and uh, what they were saying, and he said to mm. one of his owners, he said, just because they can't run 1,000 metres, as my son say, can't run 2,000 metres. And I thought to myself, well, that's something, that's food for thought. And mm. uh, if you can get a horse to relax is is the key to, uh, to good horses and key mm. to good stayers. And I thought, well, this old fella, all he wanted to do was relax in his races. And I thought, we just, you know, we mm. kept on stepping him up in distances. And uh, anyway, yeah. that's what happened in the end. Uh, Tommy was right. Yes. Yeah. Gene's interest. He, he was an old marvel, wasn't he? Gene's interest. He, he had 86 starts. 14 wins, 18 placings, more than half a million in prize money. He won several in Brisbane. And on one occasion, Rex, you left him with Graham Begg in Sydney for a while. And I think he won a race at Rose Hill. Yes, he did. Look, I couldn't travel backwards and forwards and the expense was just too much, John. So we, mm. we gave him to Graham for about two or three weeks and uh, for two or three runs. And, yes, he, uh, he won there in Sydney and... Uh, and then came back and we went on from there with him. Mm. Now, other Toowoomba Cup winners in your scrapbook are Director's Special in 2000, Scott Seymour rode him, Sir Sensible in 2008 with Tony Patillo and Jussamai with Starthy Katsidis. You bred Jussamai. I think he was by Semi Palatinch, the horse that stood at Eureka. That's correct, John, Yes. No, I bred him, and uh, you know, here's a horse that uh, I had always had an opinion of him. But you know, you talk about giving horses uh, time. Here's a horse that you get him in the stable with the big team. You get him in his young horse, and mm. you know, all of a sudden you never had room, so you just tip him out again. So, uh, like Mefarius said, he's had more more preparations than Alan Border made runs there at one stage. He kept on yeah. telling everybody. <laughs> yeah. Uh, look, here's, uh, here's a horse that was a lovely horse and uh, you know, I was very pleased to be able to uh, breed and uh, and win a Toowoomba Cup with a, with my own horse. My word. Now, here's a good story, Rex. You're at the sales in 2003 with your wife, Roz, and you're looking for a yearling for clients. Roz says, get a cult. Don't worry about another filly, but you'd already spotted a sequalo filly that you had to have. That's correct. That's, that was correct, John. I, I, I found this filly in that I was walking around. She was, uh, she was by Sequale out of a semi palatins mare, and I just, I just loved the filly, the way she walked, the size of her, the nature, everything just fell into into place. So, you know, when when it come to uh, her going into the ring, I snuck away on border and uh, and came back, and they and that's that's was ended up being Star Shiraz. Mm. Well, she was a brilliant two-year-old. She won three at that age, including the Group 1 Sires Produce. That was your first Group 1 winner. And she ran second in another three stakes races. 
as a two-year-old. She was precocious and uh, just wanted to do the job. Yes, John. Look, I was probably lucky at the time with uh, lucky or unlucky, I don't know. But uh, anyway, these clients, they, they said they'd take her, and which, which was you know nice to have them get her off my hands. Mm. At the time, but uh, when you know, especially when Roz didn't want to, didn't want a filly, so we, you know, we we're very lucky there. But she ended up being a very good filly to us all, mm. and we've a lot of the owners are still with me, and uh, we're still together and trying to win races. Mm. She won another three races later, and then was retired after twenty-seven runs. She'd earned eight hundred and sixty thousand in prize money, and you tell me she fetched a big price as a broodmare. Yes, John. She went through the Magic Million sales as a brood mare, but she had broke. She had broken down on me. She broke down, and uh, she sold for one point two five million to Darley, and that, and it's all history. That she's been to the Darley Stallions, and uh, you know some of her, not so much her daughters, never did a lot, but her da- granddaughters are very, uh, uh, being very good racehorses. Our, come to mind, way Arathia is one. Mm. And I think there's another one since they're out of one of the daughters. And look, it's all, yeah. it's just a family. It's a, it's a great Phillies family. Anybody wanting to buy a filly out of that family couldn't go wrong. Mm. Well, Star Shiraz went within half a neck of giving you a Group 1 win in Sydney and a very famous race, the Coolmore Classic of 2006, won by Regal Cheer. You went oh so close. Yes, John. Is uh, we had to, I was chasing for a ride. Actually, you talk about riders. You talk about uh, and uh, I was chasing for riders, and I ended up with Michael Walker from New Zealand. Mm. And and he said to me, he said, if this filly would have went straight for me, she said we win easy. Oh. She wanted to lay and roll in behind the regal cheer, and when he eventually got her out beside it, she just went bang and uh, just missed there. But anyway, it's all history, and and we're all. We're excited about even running second, so, you know, it's all good. A tribute now to one of your all-time favourites, Tinto, who won seven races and was placed five times from 26 starts and she won $1.4 million. The highlight was the Group 1 Queensland Oaks of 2014 with the late Timmy Bell on board. She had to overcome a few problems in the run that day, Rex. Yeah, no, look, she's uh, she's a very good filly and uh, and a fantastic ride from Tim. He um, she she was a filly that uh, she used to get back in her eyes, didn't draw well, but Timmy got her out of the barriers and got her across into a beautiful position, and. And she, the others, and Tim says, all we've got to do is keep the favourite in our eyes and said, we'll be it at home. And that's what he did. He just followed the favourite through and uh, got outside and uh, it was all history after that. In 2015, you brought her to Sydney for the Villiers. <laughs> you ran second to a horse uh, whose name will bring back a flood of memories to our listeners. Fancy running into Happy Clapper. And fancy spotting him three kilos. Yes, it's, it was unbelievable. I mean, I can see, you know, I can still heal the, the uh, race caller saying the, the Bonnie Mare from uh, Toowoomba. <laughs> and, uh, but it was one of those great thrills in racing. To only go down by, I think it was only a neck or something. It wasn't much of a margin, but uh, it was a thrill, great thrill. And uh, she, was a, she was a great little mare to us, you know. 
Yeah. Just, you couldn't wish for much better, really. Now, in more recent history, Tinto was by Red Dazzler and so was our BB who won three races in town for you and a little girl called Rebecca Williams. Yes, no, she's a very handy little handy little mare, uh, our baby. She was, uh, I mean, she was uh, a filly that, uh, that actually I was in the breedership of her, but then the, the uh, one of the partners he, he wanted her, so we sold her. He sold him. We did the deals in the whole breeding outfit, and he ended up with that filly. So, but look, she's a, she's a great little mare. And, uh, you know, very proud to be able to say that I was involved in the breeding of her as well as the training of her and winning those races for us. Now, Red Dazzler uh, stood at Eureka, didn't he? Yes, John, yes. Yeah, now, you talk about an underrated stallion. He might have been one, Red Dazzler. By gee, he got a lot of winners, Rex. And Helen Page had another good one by Red Dazzler, that she also brought to Sydney for a villiers horse called Rudy. Yeah, look, here's the stallion that uh, underrated stallion because he never came, he never went bang bang as an early his horse and didn't go early. But later on in life, he's uh, really got some uh, ha- very handy horses, and unfortunately, you know, it's got to the stage in life where they're not commercial. But uh, very good, very good, honest race horses they are, John, and he's and. Yeah, you know, when people started to realise they weren't sprinters and tried and made middle distance horses out, and that's when they really it came through mm. to what they the what would you say the uh, better of the horses came out were made better horses by not trying to make them you know, yeah. thousand twelve hundred metre horses. Exactly, it it paid off for those with some patience. Patience. Now, Gem of Scotland is a lovely mare by Rothsay. She was lightly raced, or she is lightly raced. She's back in work now. She's won six from ten so far, 415,000. She won her first four straight as a two-year-old. She won a couple of three-year-old races later, but she disappeared, Rex. In fact, I know she trialled the other day, but she hadn't been seen since March of last year. What happened there? Well, she injured her hip. John, um, I, I still maintain she injured a hip coming out of the barriers, mm-hmm. and uh, she is a, is a break there on the end point on the hip joint. So it was just a matter of you know hoping we, we could save her, mm-hmm. and uh, we uh, the stable staff, my wife, they all put in a lot of time getting the filly back to where she is, and uh, you know spent a lot of hours with uh, pressure suits on her and everything, and uh, between the vet and the vets, have been we're very lucky to save her, mm. and hopefully she's back on track. Mm. Now here's another one uh, by Red Dazzler that you've had in the stable, Red Steena. Uh, she's been a really nice mare. She's won four in the metropolitan area. She's run nine seconds, and you're under a bit of pressure because your wife is a part owner. Talk pressure's not the word, John. I think it's worse than that. <laughs> <laughs> No, look, she has been a very, very unlucky little filly as a three-year-old. I mean, she could have won probably a million dollars if uh, you know she runs all those seconds virtually in cutest three-year-old, two and three-year-old races, which is you know double the double the prize money. So look, I think the biggest margin a lot of them was only about half a length. Mm. And, uh, some was head, neck, 
you know, knows. But uh, she is a very honest little mare, and she's, uh, I, you know, we thought we might have had, really had some, but unfortunately, we got a, she got a little bit of an injury at the moment, and uh, we'll just hopefully she comes back for us in the next six months. But uh, she's a little mare to us, and uh, Rosbrack's picked her out as a yearling and the sales, and uh, she said, oh, come around and have a look at this filly. And I said, oh, yeah, right, oh. She said, have you seen her? I said, yeah, I saw her there. Mm. She said, don't want to buy her. And I said, what if you want? If she was passed in, and I said, if you want to buy her, buy her. So mm. I really had to uh, say what we gave for her or mm. buying her, Billy. I said, if you want her, you buy her. So she went up and ended up buying her. And then uh, racing her in partnership with uh, one of the Timbo's owners in Grania McAlpine, which is, you know, it's keeping the family together. Yeah, oh, wonderful. In the Jeans did a good job. Uh, he won eight, 13 placings, three in town. He was by a horse, one of my favourites, Rex, Intergaze, the horse who's best remembered as the conqueror of Octagonal at Octagonal's final race. Look, he's as honest as the day, as the day comes, John. He, is, he never put in a bad one. He's always a horse that tried. He's, he's a lovely little horse to do anything with. He's actually now, I'm, I'm not sure, is he? I think he might even be out working on a property. Yeah. He's really mustering cattle at the moment, and uh, people just, and the people that got him just love him, and, uh, you know, he'll, he'll be there until the day he dies. And, we keep on sending the photos through to us on how he looks and that sort of thing. And he looks great for, the, for his age and everything. But uh, he is raced by another very top clients of mine, or very good clients. I shouldn't say top, all clients are very good. But, uh, you know, Trevor and Guy Fraser are probably with 28 years now and uh, have been fantastic owners. We'll just pause for a moment on the podcast to clear a commitment, Rex, and then we'll come back to wind up uh, with tribute to some of the great riders that you've utilised over the years. Back with Rex Lip after this. Racing New South Wales and the Australian Turf Club will present a feast of Group 2 racing at Rosehill Gardens on February the 20th, including the time-honoured Hobartville Stakes, the Silver Slipper for the two-year-olds and the Millie Fox Stakes for the fillies and mares with prize money of $200,000. One week later, it's back to Randwick for some Group 1 action in the Chipping Norton and the Surround Stakes with a great support program. The Group 2 Sweet Embrace and the Group 2 Skyline should shed some light on the Golden Slipper, while the great Guy Walter will be remembered with the running of a Group 2 race named in his honour. Serious racing fans are straining at the leash as Sydney Racing presents a magnificent autumn carnival for 2021. My special guest is Rex Lip. You've used the services of some wonderful jockeys over the years. We mentioned earlier that Mike Pelling won a couple of Wheatwood handicaps for you. Glenn Boss rode your first Group 1 winner, Star Shiraz, and he remains a great mate to this day. Yes, Johnny. Uh, you know, when we run into each other, he always wants to know how our family are how our family is and and, and, and vice versa. But uh, Glenn's been a great mate and always been helped me right through with different horses. You know, you give you a, a good sum up of a horse if it's any good or not. Mm. And, look, he's he's been a great rider and he's been a fantastic rider over the years and uh, and he's well-renowned for his his ability as a jockey. Mm, is he what? Zach Purton rode a number of winners for you before 
taking off to Hong Kong where he's become a household name. Look, Zach is a lovely bloke. He uh, He's one of those blokes who a lot of people sort of didn't know how to handle him, but uh, you take Zach as Zach and look, he's, he became a very good friend and won a lot of races for me. And unfortunately, we lost him here in Queensland to Sydney and then to Sydney to Hong Kong and mm. And he's done, and he sent the world on fire over there. So you know, good on you to, to Zach because he's a great bloke and a great rider. You had a terrific association with the late Starthy Catsidis, whose premature death robbed the Queensland racing industry of one of its best talents. Definitely, Starthy. We, Starthy was probably one of the untapped riders in, in Australia at the time. He uh, is uncanny ability to place a horse in a race uh, he he could tell you a lot of things even though as an as, as an apprentice he was very good and uh, look it was just a shame that uh, things don't happen the way people love them to happen but uh, he was a great black starthy and uh, a very genuine and a very very good rider a special tribute now to tim bell an amazing young rider who won a Brisbane Jockeys Premiership at age 20. He had the ball at his feet when he died in that freakish accident in Singapore. Timmy won the Oaks for you on Tinto. Tim, uh, Tim was, a, was, a, was a top bloke. He, uh, he always sort of, he could talk to you about horses. He was a bloke that uh, knew what he was talking about you know, in my eyes and listening to him, he helped you out a lot with different horses and a genuine bloke when it came to uh, riding horses for you. He was, um, didn't try and pull the wool over your eyes like some of them do. And, you know, if they rode a bad race, they'd be like, they'd find an excuse in the race with what happened, but not Tim. Tim would come out and tell you, listen, I stuffed up or whatever happened, mm. uh, and you accepted that sort of thing. But Tim was a very good bloke and a very good friend. Mm. And it was a shame that, uh, you know, his life ended as quickly as what it did. But, you know, all tributes to Tim Bell, he's still a, still a great bloke in my eyes. You've got the best of both worlds up there, Rex. You've got stables in town and a lovely 150-acre property on the outskirts where you live and where you're able to spell horses. Yes, John, it was one of those things... In uh, when we were trying, when I was training with the big teams, and I thought to myself, well, you know, you're sending horses out to spelling places. Why don't you look after your own? So we we started mm. off with buying a 50 acres. It was a little irrigation place uh, property, and we uh, built it up as uh, you know with irrigation, nice safe paddock, and spelled all of our own our own horses, and uh, we actually we were all our own race, all, all client horses. And they did a very, we very happy with the way we used to produce them off the uh, off the spelling place, and also he uh, uh, we knew how when they were to go back into work, you knew if they wanted another week, you could give them a week. If you they were doing too well, you could put them into work a little bit sooner. But you, you had them under my eye all the time, twenty four seven. Numbers of beauty of having your own spelling property. Mm. Of the fourteen horses currently in work. Is Simply Fly the one you're getting a bit excited about? Look, there's, there's, I've got a few here, John, that I'm very uh, excited about mm-hmm. going forward, and that's the little filly, the Tycoon Evie. I, I wouldn't be surprised if she's going to end up in a Queensland Oaks filly. Mm-hmm. The way, but she's a real dour trier, mm-hmm. 
And I've got another little horse called uh, Bal Morris. Mm-hmm. Who he's only had the one start. He won a maiden at Eagle Farm there about a month ago. Yeah. And I, I'm very excited about him. He's uh, he's a horse that I think will go places. He run, you know, he's owned by one of our good, one of our good clients and Trevor and Di Fraser. Mm-hmm. And I think he's a horse that, you know, if he keeps producing and improving, I think he could be a fair little horse. Mm. Now, next time you think about retirement, just think of Les Bridge, who trained the Everest winner last October at age 83. Let's hear no more talk about this retirement, Rex Lip. Now, John, I think it'll be before then. I well, who know, but who knows? You never make a decision. Never make a rash decision. You've got to what what comes along comes along, and uh, we just hope we're all in good health and well-beings for the rest of our life, as long as we can keep and keep doing what we're doing, what we love doing. You're a legend in Queensland racing, and one of Toowoomba's best advertisements. Been a great pleasure to have you on the podcast, produced by Supernova Sound. Thanks for your time. Thanks, John. 